Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do. You know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh, my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could do this, and I was just so comfortable that I was like, ah, 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 all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the words and nerds podcast on this podcast we chat about books the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world i'm your host danny v and today i'm super excited to welcome scott stewart author of my shadow is pink and it's also on the rbr small publishers children's book of the year shortlist of course with larrikin house it's also been nominated for the cbca picture book of the year and other books include how to be a real man alone and a number of picture books to be released in 2021 that is pretty impressive scott congratulations and welcome Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really, really pleased to be here. Um, I, uh, you know, the more books that come out, you know, that intro seems to be, it used to be really easy, you know, <laughs> you wrote this one book, you know, but uh, I'm, I'm really glad that the, the the intro is getting longer. Look, My Shadow is Pink, glorious book, loved it so much. And, you know, I can relate to it with my own children as well. But before we get into it, can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this beautiful picture book is about? Sure. So it's about a young boy who's born into a family where everybody in his family has blue shadows and a real like the epitome of your know, traditional masculinity. And uh, the young boy is born with a pink shadow. And it's really a story of him learning to accept himself as he is and you know, have the courage to go out into the world expressing who he is fully. Oh, God, it was a beautiful book. And don't we hope that for our children. You know, we just hope they can go out into the world and be themselves. So I love this book for many reasons. And I have a son who also loves, you know, to wear hair clips and he wears yep. a dress to the shop and he's dressed up as my little pony at a, you know, a superhero party. So I, I just related and I'm like, you know, I just hope the world is kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I have noticed from you know my community is everybody kind of says to me you know that their biggest fear is that the world is not going to be kind to their kids who are you know expressing their individuality whether that is through 
breaking gender stereotypes or whatever form it looks like. And you know, with few exceptions, you know, there are you know, most of the time they do get accepted. They find their, you know, group that accepts them. They often go through like a struggle of, you know, the wrong groups and the wrong environments, but there's always a group out there who is accepting and who will not judge them for their individuality. And finding that is just a glorious thing. And once they do that, the amount of joy that comes out of our kids when they find that that group, you know, that culture that accepts them is unbelievable. Absolutely. But even as adults, don't you find it so incredible and such a gift when you find your tribe, you know, you find your people where you don't have, you can be your authentic self and, you know, isn't that a gift? Oh my gosh. You know, so um, a, a big inspiration behind this book was my son who, you know, fell like deeply in love with Queen Elsa and like loved wearing dresses and Queen Elsa dresses and costumes. And he was wearing one with, uh, he, he, we were out uh, on the street and he was wearing it. And this, this big, you know, alpha man, you know, came up and said, you let your son wear a dress. And I was <laughs> like, uh, yes, yes, I do. Expecting like the conversation that I've had with 400 million adults. And uh, instead he just burst into tears oh. and he said, you know, I wish that, I had been accepted like that as a child and I wish I could have that kind of acceptance oh. now. And I was, I was crying. It's oh. like, that's the most beautiful thing because that's all we want. We oh. just want to be accepted for who we are and to be able yes. to express ourselves for who we are. So if in some small way, um, the, the, the book that I've written, if that can help a child, hit that point earlier in their lives uh that is all and everything I want oh, that is a beautiful story it's unexpected ending I'm so happy about that I know. oh my goodness what's gonna happen here <laughs> don't worry I've got plenty of the other stories oh, just can we pretend you don't I don't I don't yeah. want to know. <laughs> no, I'm joking of course because I think you know that's part of the reason you wrote this book because I think it starts with us you know it starts with us as parents of young kids who we need to constantly push back against stereotypes, against toxic masculinity, against prejudice, because it's our kids who are hopefully going to bring all these ideas of acceptance into the world, you know, which I, I guess we we haven't seen embraced as widely, generally speaking. So we need to push back. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because you know, one thing I hear a lot is um you know, when I was a kid, like this was fine. You know, why you know why do kids have it so easy in terms of like you know they can do whatever they want and be whoever they want? And I'm always like, isn't that the entire point to make things easier <laughs> yeah. and happier and more joyful for the next generation? That yeah. comes no, we want to make it harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're making it harder, we're doing something wrong. Yeah, so, right. yeah. It's it's an interesting mindset, you know. You know those those people who say, well, I didn't get that in my day. It's like, well, that's what we do to progress you know because yeah. if we just kept it that way women wouldn't vote and we wouldn't have marriage equality and a million other things and just because you know maybe you didn't have it that's not right but it doesn't mean we shouldn't progress and change and other people shouldn't have whatever that thing is you know so it's an odd argument that I've heard like you said 400 billion times I'm like yeah but I don't know. Yeah, it, it is funny. You know, I, I actually am, I'm in the middle of some research on a, on a different book and uh, there's this really fascinating thing that I've been reading about, like the first homes that were created, like the first like modern version oh. of a home and 
um, you know, some, I'm not going to say this definitively, but your know, evidence points to, you know, 400,000 years ago, you know, where is now Nice, you know, these uh, people uh, created like the first homes, you know, and you know, came down from sleeping in trees and went into homes. And I wonder if the people who were down, like <laughs> it was on a beach, if they were on a beach in these homes, the people who were still up in the trees, like I didn't have to, I didn't get a home, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up, you shouldn't have a home either. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds completely ridiculous, but that's it does. Yeah. And it's about calling it out. And I think there's a lot of talk, as we know, about, you know, calling out toxic masculinity and calling yeah. out the derogatory comments to women because we know how important that is and what that can lead to. And I think, you know, we're going to spend for the good of our children a lot of time calling people out. <laughs> this is true. And, um, like, I am, like, I was definitely raised in an environment where, uh, you know, there was a very rigid definition of masculinity mm-hmm. where sexism was a whole lot more accepted, uh, where basically all the isms were, uh, you know, a lot more <laughs> accepted. And uh, it can be really uncomfortable and challenging, you know, to be called out. And I, like, one of my biggest hopes is that we can actually call these things out, be willing to go through that discomfort and celebrate the growth of people, you know, Um, because I know it's really easy to say, well, you know, that's who they were. If you judge me on you know, my, you know, um, the stereotypes and everything. I was a pretty damn toxic, you know, early 20-year-old dude, you know, and I grew. And I think that's just what we want for everybody and giving Mm. people the chance to grow and, you know, but calling out is a massive part of that. It is, it is. But, you know, there is that that idea, and I, I do actually believe this, that if you say nothing and do nothing, you're kind of complicit in it. You know, Absolutely. so even though calling yeah. it out is is difficult, it's uncomfortable, I think it's necessary. I'm really interested in what you just said, if you don't mind getting a bit personal. Oh. God, <laughs> this is where we get personal, like about, you know, 10 minutes into the interview. <laughs> I know, 11 minutes and we're going deep. Yep. <laughs> um, it's pretty usual for this podcast. So I grew up in a family, like my dad's a musician, so we had lots of artists and musicians come over all the time. It was kind of this this house where, you know, musicians were coming and going all the time and if they weren't musicians, they'd be, you know, other sort of artists. And so I grew up with that kind of, you know, very open, accepting ideology. But you said you grew up in a very different environment where it was a lot more conservative. So how did you grow and sort of do this complete turnaround? You said, you know, mentioned toxic 20-year-old. You still look very young, Scott. I don't know how old you are now, but... (laughs) I'm 37, but thank you. So how Um, did you do that massive turnaround in like 17 years? Because that that is remarkable. Yeah, look, um, I think like everybody, um, I was a really kind-hearted kid. Um, I was a really accepting kid. Um, Like I would see... um, any of the, you know, racist or sexist or, you know, unaccepting or judgmental behaviour. And I didn't understand it, you know, um, and um, and I think that's true of basically every child, like, you know, with the exceptions of, you know, very few, you know, basically every child is really, really beautifully spirited. Um, And then, you know, this culture of you know toxicity starts like piling on top of you and you have a few bad experiences and suddenly 
you know, your own definition of what it means to be a man is completely flipped. And um, I remember when I was 18-ish, it's probably untrue, but let's just go with that. (laughs) Um, uh, Around that time, I was really, really dedicated to becoming a professional rugby player. Mm -hmm. Uh, My entire world was rugby, and I thought anything outside of that was not really for men. And... um, which is so ridiculous hearing that, you know, uh, and then my brother invited me to go ballroom dancing with him, you know, to a ballroom dancing class. And I made fun of him. I was like, that's ridiculous. That's insane. You know, men don't go dancing. This is crazy. Um, and eventually he convinced me to go, um, you know, it's stupid to say it, but uh, he uh, convinced me to go because he convinced me that there would be, you know, hundreds of beautiful ladies there for me to meet. <laughs> I knew meet. this was coming. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I rocked up to this class, you know, I don't know, I had this vision of walking into this room full of, like, Russian supermodels and... Oh, see, um, I've got a vision, a different vision. I've got a vision of like a Jane Austen ball. We're very not on the same yeah, page. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, because I was, you know, this confident, you know, however old dude, you know, I obviously thought, well, everyone's going to be interested in me. You know, as I, as I roll in, you know. <laughs> and uh, I turned in, I, I walked into the room and I was the youngest person there by 45 years. Um, oh. And my first thought was, damn you my brother. Um, and then I decided to stay and I just totally fell in love with it. And wow. it had a completely different culture to rugby. You know, rugby had, you know, very, uh, not to say stringent because there was massive diversity in there, but, you know, it had, you know, this kind of set of rules and behaviours and thought patterns and beliefs, you know, whereas the dancing community had a really different set of thought patterns and beliefs. And it was a way more accepting you know, space than, you know, the rugby space was. And because I fell totally in love with it, I stuck with it. And then there was this clash of cultures, you know, I was suddenly the dancing rugby dude and I was the one who was getting made fun of all the time. And, you know, it was this real, you know, challenge. And uh, eventually, you know, you just start to realise you why is everybody not just completely accepting and you know this person is completely awesome and fantastic and beautiful and you know why are we judging them based on some ridiculous thing you know and so it's just this process you know of going through being exposed to a really diverse set of cultures experiences um whole lot of travel you know all those sorts of things just start to open your eyes to a whole lot of different things rather than being in this echo chamber, you know, of toxic beliefs. I love that story, honestly. And I love the story of people, people growing. Cause I think we, we all need to do that. And I love how you're just so comfortable talking about this is who I was and this is who I am. And this is how I got there. I think that's remarkable. I, love I mean, it. it doesn't feel great, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about it. Cause I think it's a needed conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you've, you know, you've, you've transformed yourself. And I think that's not to be ashamed of. I think that's to be, you know, congratulated because we're all, you know, a product of our upbringing. And then I guess yeah. at some point it's up to us to 
either go with that or change that or, you know, somewhere in between. So Yeah, absolutely. Or often just lean deeply into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or <laughs> lean out of it. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard when you're 18 though because, you know, you're, you're trying to fit in with everyone and yeah. you don't know who you are. It's very hard to explore who you are because you've got all these external voices coming at you. Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky that you... I mean, we all, we have this evolutionary need to kind of fit in somewhere. Um, but I was really lucky because of, you know, getting those different experiences and different groups, you know, suddenly the question wasn't, do I fit in? It was like, do I fit into which group, yes. you know? And it was about more realizing that I can go and find and choose yeah. the groups that I'm part of rather than being completely stuck here mm. in this one spot. That's right. And you don't have to just choose one thing. You know, you don't have to just choose rugby or dancing or books no. or sport. Like you can be, you know, you can do a variety of things in your life. That's I okay. mean, we all are. We all are these incredibly multifaceted, complex, flawed human beings um, and, you know, painting us into one corner yeah. is very detrimental. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Look, one of the favourite lines in your book is, my shadow loves ponies and books and pink toys, princesses, fairies and things for not boys. And when I read that, hurt my heart a little bit because I'm like how did we get here how did we get here when pink and princesses and fairies were not for boys like who made this decision like is it sort of a a capitalism marketing thing in stores or did how did this get into our brains because it's hard to break and I think it's even harder for boys to break you know I don't think there's so much of a fear if a girl goes out and you know plays soccer or whatever it is they're doing but I think for some reason there's more fear about a boy liking princesses and fairies and I can't understand that in my brain what have been your your experiences or thoughts about this um yeah I mean I I think definitely there was that you know experience for women and I'm not going to say it's not still there Mm -hmm. um because I literally get messages every day from you know women and girls who you are being held back by the parents or were held back by the parents for certain things but um you know it seems to be a fear of feminization Yes, massive fear of it. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the big thing is there is this, uh, this belief system in place that mass, you know, being masculine means to completely avoid anything that has any kind of association with femininity. Yeah. Um, and the worst thing that you can, and I'm saying this in terms of like, our perspective you know the the worst thing for a guy you know depending on their environment you know and I know this was true for me the worst thing for a young guy is to be associated with something feminine because mm. it means you're weak and it means you're not good enough and these things are completely untrue uh but you know there's this deep fear um and when you look at all the history of you know gender and you know especially the um economic side of gender like the marketing and all that sort of everything is completely made up yeah. um i mean you know blue pink divide wasn't even really in place in western culture until you know 1920s to 1940s mm-hmm. um and the story of that is quite interesting um you know and there was even a big like push against it in the 70s you know we had this real it wasn't termed this at the time but it, you know, we had a really gender neutral push you know um there was a time in the you know the sears catalog which is this huge you know 
catalogue in the US where in, in the mid-1970s, less than 2% of the kids' adver- advertisements were what you would call gendered, mm. um, which is, like, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. You know? Now, and then, like, 1980s mega capitalism, you know, happens and we realise as marketers that the more you... Uh, individualized products the more you will sell and so it's why we have unbelievably like blue colored pens and pink colored pens <laughs> that both write black ink Trust you know and, and you know because you know we just realized that you know, people will buy things labeled for women mm. for women and people labeled you know things labeled for men for men um and you know, so this whole thing is completely made up, um, and but breaking out of it is a challenge. But we're yeah. in the we're in the path. We're in the early. Yeah. We're in the transition, aren't we? That. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it is because a lot of our identity as men is tied up in these really traditional beliefs of masculinity. Um, but that is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the new generation coming through, a lot less of them believe in that you uh but look masculinity has massive problems right now i was part of a panel uh very recently which you showed that oh i think it was 70 percent of all men within the last two weeks have experienced really deep depression um thoughts of suicide uh you know if you were to tell any parent you with a son that there's a seven out of ten chance that they're going to be considering that or feeling that on any given week, um, there's something massively going wrong. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's absolutely terrifying. And, um, you know, going back to, you know, going back to that marketing thing, I think it's it's just, it's very damaging too. And I have a son and a daughter when, you know, I was trying to buy them both a microscope and I don't care what colour the microscopes are, but yeah. I did notice they were all very traditionally masculine colours. I'm like, yeah. seriously, it's 2021, man. Like- I know. Or even getting pockets in your daughter's pants. <laughs> right. Come on. Well, my daughter and I, we both, she's only six, but we both celebrate when we find a dress with pockets. We're like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a really beautiful brand. I think it's called. Um, oh, I'm going to get the t- name totally wrong. I think it's Princess Awesome, mm-hmm. um, and they do some really fantastic stuff uh, for you know dresses and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's so important. I think, and I think you know we have to sort of you know be those change makers, but it's it's not easy, and you've always got to constantly remind yourself because we were brought up in certain ways with certain you know societies and cultures too. So I think it's always about checking yourself. I know I'm constantly doing that. <laughs> but back to the book. I love how we've just yeah. gotten so deep gone on a tangent. Yeah, oh, so I love those tangents are the, are the greatest things for a conversation. But you're both writer and illustrator, which you know yes. I find very impressive. But for you, what comes first, or do they work? simultaneously so do you write the story first do you write the pictures do you draw the pictures first or do you kind of they mold together yeah no I am definitely a writer first Mm -hmm. um which is kind of funny because my brain works in a really visual way you know uh, I've been a designer for since I you know was 20 or something um and um so my brain works really visually like I even with anything I'm writing I am thinking about it as though it's a movie or a tv show you know but even with that you know illustration is the very last you know uh I am completely focused on writing and getting the story and uh finding the beats and finding you know the stakes and uh, then at some point, 
I get to the illustrations usually when a publisher throws a deadline on me. <laughs> um, so, right. okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's when I kind of get to illustration. Um, wow. But yeah, writing is definitely the thing that comes really naturally to me. And illustration is something that I, you know, trained and studied and mm -hmm. learned and uh but the it doesn't have that like i i don't wake up in the morning you know, and walk into my office you know to work on a book and the first thing i will do is pick up a pen and illustrate the first thing i want to do is write so. mm -hmm. i love that i love that now how does it feel congratulations and i think larrikin they're just doing such a remarkable job with their picture books yeah. right now i think they're amazing doing great stuff but how does it feel to be on the aria shortlist yeah it feels amazing you know it's um huh, it's it's pretty damn cool to be honest uh <laughs> it's it's uh it's really uh affirming and really you know heartwarming and um you know, I, uh, I, I, I kind of decided very early that, you know, awards and things like that, I wouldn't really care about, yep. um, but it feels damn good you know, <laughs> when, when you're, you're nominated for something. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. You're not going to live for them, but if they come, you should celebrate them. Definitely. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Yep. <laughs> now we've talked about how much you love to write and that you are a writer, but what I want to ask you, which I ask all my guests before I wrap up is why do you write? That is a really great question. So I would have always, it, this doesn't need to be a 10 second answer, does it? You know, <laughs> um, so this, uh, uh, you know, I remember being in grade three and um, my teacher asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, either a writer, an author or a professional athlete. Um, and, but funnily enough, I didn't write until I was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't write anything creative, you know. Um, and your know, books, like the written word has always had this really special place in my heart. There's, there's this book series by Brian Jakes, um, who he, you know, kids books, you're know, kind of back in the day a little, uh, who wrote this series of red wall books, which is mm -hmm. about like this mouse who's, you know, kicking ass and, <laughs> you know, um, and there was this book called Martin the Warrior and, I remember you know, at the time I read it, I would have been, I don't know, 10 or something like that. That's probably completely wrong. But, um, and I got to this stage of the book and I'm totally going to spoil the book here, but it's <laughs> 30 years old. So I think we've had time to read it. Time you to know, read. But like one of the main characters dies in the book. And I remember just sitting on my bed weeping and, uh, you know, I had for a while being somebody who really contained their emotions and, um, you know, just this full expression of sorrow and sadness. And it really kind of blew me away. And I really fell in love with the medium. Um, and so then, you know, I went through 20 odd years of buying lots of books, uh, but not writing. And then when my son was born, uh, he is, you know, seven years old. Uh, when my son was born, um, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool uh, if, you know, he could pick up a book and it had his name in it, like it, a, a book was written about him. That would be so cool. And coincidentally, it had just come off my 30th uh, birthday where there was this like big celebration. And one of the things that happened was 
a bunch of people got up and you know, kind of said uh, what they thought I was you know, good at and stuff. Um, not in a weird way, but like mm -hmm. a really kind of cute, nice yeah. way. And almost everybody said, you know, this dude's like really good at telling stories. Um, and so my confidence was higher than it <laughs> usually be about storytelling. And so I, uh, I sat down and I wrote this first picture book. Um, it was called A Pickle in the Post. It sold a whopping seven-ish copies. Um, and, um, you know, I just completely fell in love with the process. And I remember saying to one of my friends and my wife, um, man, if I was to sell zero books, I would continue doing this because yeah. I just totally love it. Um, and so then I just started writing and uh i just you know it's one of those things that the more you write the more you have to tell you know uh the more stories that come out of you the more that appear in you yep. um and so i have an ungodly amount of you know, half finished drafts and um you know storyline ideas and stuff like that you know, because you know when i decided to do this professionally um I, you know, decided was I was I, I had to make the choice. Was I going to just be somebody who kind of hung out, waited for the lightning bolt of inspiration, <laughs> you know, possibly never create anything, you know, or create brilliance, you know, but it depends on that lightning bolt, you know, or am I just going to sit down at my desk every day and write? Um, and some days I'll be writing really terrible stuff, you know, and some days I'll be writing really great stuff and you just never know which day it is. And I decided just to be that second person, the person who just writes something every day. And I write a lot of terrible stuff here, you know. <laughs> uh, but just, you know, I just decided to sit down and write um, no matter what. And uh, so now it's just become part of my, you know, my daily process. Like I wake up, you know, I kind of do, we do our thing. And then like my brain is just firing, you know, by 8am or whatever. And it's uh, like, I just have a million things to write. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I don't know if I write because I need to, but I write because I have, you know, so many things I want to say and there are times where I love the thought of writing words. Um, and there are other times where I don't love that thought, but I still have a story there. And so I write the words anyway. Um, and it's just become part of my routine that I write. And so, yeah, mm, a long winded. No, I love that. Weird I mean, answer, but yeah. No, it's not. I ask this question all the time and I just get the most perfect answers. At first I get kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then people think about it and then they just go on these great tangents. I sit and listen and go, this is great. So you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And look, I need to thank you, A, for writing this glorious book, a book that's so important for kids, for parents of little kids like ourselves, for them to be, their, be themselves and for parents to, you know, embrace this as we do. So thank you for writing it, first of all, but also thank you, you know, in this interview um in 30 minutes we've covered so much ground gone very deep and you've been very honest and candid with me and that's what makes the best conversation so congratulations on your shortlisting for the Arby awards and it's been just an absolute pleasure to speak to you thank you so much danny i truly appreciate you inviting me on it's been absolutely awesome